Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Get all your pro wrestling, MMA, boxing news over there. You can go to FightfulBoxing.com or FightfulMMA.com. If maybe you're not a wrestling fan, we have some great coverage from Carlos Toro. He does that bi-weekly uh, Fightful Boxing newsletter. Keeps you up to date on all things boxing, whether you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan. On the MMA side, we have David Tease doing a lot of great reporting work. And James Lynch with a ton of exclusives. Head over there, check it out. Of course, here at YouTube.com slash Fightful. We also have tons of MMA interviews. And that MMA podcast every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Showdown Joe, who's been nominated for uh, Journalist of the Year uh, in previous years for uh, Fighters Only Magazine, I do believe it is. The World MMA Awards. And we are joined by James Lynch, who is uh, one of the most plugged-in MMA insiders in the world. But we got Bellator 207 and 208 to talk about. Let's go ahead and get into it. Now, obviously, I'm not touching these prelims with a 10-foot pole. The people competing in the prelims might not care about some of these fights. But there was Janae Harding, who did beat Sinead Kavanaugh. Somebody, Sinead Kavanaugh, somebody who that, that Bellator thinks a lot of. And James actually interviewed Janae Harding on Fightful.com. That is worth a look. Carrington Banks got beat by a knee about a minute into the second round. But the first one we'll talk about. Baby Slice, Corey Browning. Corey Browning in his MMA debut. Pro MMA debut. This Baby Slice fight was a sad state of affairs, my man. And let me tell you, he's fought, he being Baby Slice, six times now. He says and does a lot of the right things. When I watched his first amateur fight just two and a half years ago, I was actually impressed. I was like, wow, he is a pretty high-level amateur fighter, at least from what I saw. He had he did some of the, the right things. And even in his first loss to Aaron Hamilton under two years ago, I thought he did a lot of the right things. He came back. He won three straight fights. He fought often. He would fight on short notice. He really didn't care. He would just do it. Fighting to fight. And really, he had been fighting about twice a year. 
whatever happened at the end of that fight, that was sad, man. Baby Slice was carried out of there on a stretcher. At 165 pounds, my God, you cannot have a gas tank like that. The man gave up. And I've spoken very highly of him on the Fightful MMA podcast prior. I think that Baby Slice gets it. I mean, really gets it. The the marketing side of things, the, the, the charisma side of things more than his father did. And that's not easy because his father really got it. But then again, his father was very special as a draw, as an aura, as somebody who could bring people in. His son isn't that. Right now, his son is a name to throw in a Bellator card right now. And I think it should be a while before he's back. I think we should wait a year before we see Baby Slice. Unless we have, unless it's revealed that he has some sort of like flu that we don't know about. That was scary. Lorenz Larkin defeated Ian Pascu uh, in a Bellator welterweight alternate fight. Well, welterweight tournament alternate fight. You got to believe this wasn't the way that Bellator nor Lorenz Larkin saw his career going. They thought he would be a top dog there, and he stepped in, and he got beat by Lima, and then he got knocked out by Daly. That went over Fernando Gonzalez. That It was at 180 pounds, but it, it's still a good – that's a good win. Fernando Gonzalez, a lot of people will look at his record and say, oh, well, he's 27 and – I think 27 and 16 now. But he's he's a good fighter because I remember when, when Michael Page beat him, people were like, oh, he beat a 25 and 13 guy. No. Before Michael Page got a hold of him, uh, Fernando Gonzalez was like, had won five fights in a row. And before Larkin, I think it was six of seven. Uh, enough about Fernando uh, Gonzalez. That, that's more putting stock into Lorenz Larkin and his victory. That was a pretty good win. So for him to win one back-to-back, win, win a second fight back-to-back, he needed that, man. Because in, Bel- in uh, the UFC, he was getting a bit of a name about him. He had four or five straight good wins, and they aged really well. Masvidal, Ponzinibbio, Neil Magny, those were, those were some good wins. Uh, even his John Vellante win uh, back in Strike Force, his Robbie Lawler win, those, those all aged well. But in the moment, sometimes uh, Lorenz Larkin can't do it, but he got a win, but he didn't really do any favors for himself. I don't think a lot of people were begging to see Lorenz Larkin find a spot in this tournament. You know what I'm saying? If you guys are watching on YouTube live, we are also available on podcast platforms everywhere after the fact. Uh, Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell, turn your notifications on. We do a lot of live videos. I did a live video game stream for WWE 2K19 earlier. It was the most frustrating, embarrassing experience of my gaming life. Also, hit me up with questions. Otherwise, this will be a bit of an abbreviated show. Sergey Karatanov defeated Roy Nelson. You want the blueprint to beat Roy Nelson? You jab away at him. You move away from him. And then when he starts to worry about the jab, you open up with uppercuts. You open up with crosses. You open up with hooks. And that's exactly what Sergey Karatanov did. Man, I got to say, I got a soft spot for Sergey. Uh, he's 38 years old. He's been around since the Pride days. Uh, my cousin introduced me to Pride via Rampage Jackson, Kevin Randleman, and Fedor, and Karatanov. So I have a soft spot for this guy. And here's the funny thing. James Lynch mentioned on the Fightful MMA podcast, yeah, he's had a hiccup here and there. Javi Ayala a couple years ago. Josh Barnett about five years before that. 
Monson, a couple years before that. The man has competed 35 times in MMA. 35 times in MMA. Another 10, 11 times in kickboxing. He has one two-fight losing streak. One two-fight losing streak. He is 28 and 6. That is not easy for a heavyweight who fights guys like him. Let, take a look at his record, his, his resume now. Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, Pedro Hizo, Ninja Hua, Simi Schilt. Over in kickboxing, how about Jerome LeBanner? It's incredible. He mollywhopped Roy Nelson with one second left. You know, Roy Nelson is is getting that money over in Bellator. He's he's having exactly the type of career that one would expect him to have in Bellator. He's beating guys like Javi Ayala, who honestly, I was surpri- I was kind of surprised that he beat Javi Ayala. I thought Javi Ayala stood a good chance of beating him, and on any any given day, might. But then he's losing to guys like Matt Mitrione and Sergey Karatanov, and not switching up his game. When you look at Roy Nelson. You see the same fighter you've always seen. And you're seeing the same fighter that anybody who has beaten him, they figured it out. They know how to beat Roy Nelson. And it's just like I mentioned earlier. Roy Nelson's going to hang on. He'll get an absolute J Brown to fight on some Bellator show. He is in a spot that I, I'll bring this up about Ben Henderson later that I thought Ben Henderson would have been in with a loss tonight. Roy Nelson is no longer a co-main eventer or a main eventer after tonight. Maybe he'll co-main event something because you never know. They throw in some really rough looking shows. But he is just a guy to throw on a Bellator show. So you look at him and you go, I know that guy. So if the main event and the co-main event weren't enough, you'll look at Roy Nelson's name on there and you go, well, I know him. Maybe I'll tune in. I've seen that guy fight before. I'll tune in. Aaron Nicholson says, Roy has a damn black belt and he doesn't even try to use it. I don't know if he could have used it against Karatanov, man. Karatanov was sticking that jab really well, then mixing in the uppercut, uh, really moving things around. And Karatanov's a powerful guy. He is. I mean, he knocked, whoo, go watch that knockout of Sokaju. And right before that, I think maybe a month and a half or two months before that, he he knocked out Chase Gormley like real, real bad. And he just went on a reign of terror in M1 for a few years on and off. Uh, Sergey Karatanov at any given time is a top 10 heavyweight in the world. And nobody relatively knows about him. I don't know if there's ever been a time maybe 2006, briefly, where I would not have had Sergei Haritanov in my top 10 heavyweights in the world. He's very good. Speaking of, Ryan Bader. So his first win in this Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix tournament, it was, it was against King Mo. Doesn't matter. It's, it's, that's a, King Mo is a light heavyweight who's considering a move to, to middleweight. Doesn't mean a lot. However, a fight that does mean a lot is his win over Linton Vassell because Linton Vassell is an absolutely gargantuan light heavyweight who is now going to move up to heavyweight. I mean, for the love of God, Linton Vassell has WWE aspirations. So I put more stock in Bader's light heavyweight win 
against Vassell. Then I do Bader's heavyweight win over King Mo, which was all of 15 seconds. However, the way that he just completely big-brothered Matt Mitrione from a seatbelt position at Bellator 207 was something real special. Ryan Bader's a big dude. Uh, maybe 230. I don't know what he weighed in at. I'll find out. But the fact that he was able to do that to a guy the size of Matt Mitrione. Remember, Mitrione's a big boy. Played football for the Giants. Um, A good meaty 6'3", 255, 260 maybe. He was getting seat belted by Ryan Bader. The more I see Ryan Bader fight, and I'm sure for the people in, in attendance, it wasn't it wasn't great, especially if they had been there all night. But for me as a viewer, I'm sitting there watching, and, and I'm watching a light heavyweight who was passed over for a title shot, who wouldn't UFC wouldn't match his offer from Bellator. They wouldn't give him Daniel Cormier, and I thought that was a damn good fight. I so badly want to see Ryan Bader face Daniel Cormier now. I did a couple years ago. It took a little bit of selling for me to buy into the Ryan Bader-Daniel Cormier fight. But when Ryan Bader showed up that presser and they went at each other, I was all for it. And it hurt my heart a little bit to see Daniel Cormier on Twitter say, man, that would have been a good one. Because Bader deserves it. Bader's great. And now Bader is in the situation where on January 26th, he might be Bellator's heavyweight and light heavyweight champion, while Daniel Cormier is UFC's light heavyweight and heavyweight champion. That is a fight, an underrated fight, that I would love to see. Ryan Bader has some real power in his hands, but his wrestling is really, really high level. It's not Olympic high level, but as we've seen, John Jones out-wrestled uh, Daniel Cormier. It can be done. But Ryan Bader can finish some people. He's finished Elor Latifi with a knee. I would have loved to have seen that. But, uh, you know, until then, I, I can talk about how <laughs> about how impressive it is that a 229-pound Ryan Bader seat-belted his way to victory over Matt Mitrione. That was high-level, fantastic stuff. Ryan Bader earned this. A lot of people, I thought he was the favorite in this tournament anyway. But you just never know. You just never know how that'll end up. As it turns out, he deserved to be the favorite. Unbelievable stuff. So the next night, Bellator takes a bus. And they uh, head a couple hours away. They do Bellator 208. Henry Corrales defeated Andy Main via KO, via strikes, round three. I, I, Henry Corrales is, is a nice guy to throw on the opening of, a, of an event like this that's going to have more eyeballs than usual. They like Henry Horales a lot. At least that's what people in Bellator tell me. And uh, he's going to be a guy that I think we talked to before long, but he's not, they don't like him as much as in Anatoly Tokov, who defeated former Bellator champion Alexander Shlomenko, be unanimous decision, and this wasn't the greatest fight. It wasn't. But it was it was a really indicative fight of how talent can just emerge out of nowhere. And you don't necessarily see it coming. Did anybody see Henry Corrales coming? 
I don't think so. The man stepped up and lost three straight fights in, in Bellator. They came in there and they they put this poor guy against Daniel Strauss, Emmanuel Sanchez, and Patricky Pit or Patricio Pitbull back to back to back. The man had never lost, and he did that. And a lot of people they would walk away, they would retire, they would they would get out of the business. But Henry Corrales has came back and won four straight fights. Cody Bollinger, Lahat, Karakanyan, and Andy Main with the most recent one probably. I think Andy Main was probably better than Cody Bollinger, but. That's that. That's a name that you look at and you say, okay, it isn't lost. He he can be something for the future of this company. And you look at Tokov, who just big brothered essentially a former champion in Shlomenko and another guy that Bellator likes, but aging a bit. He's now 3-0 and in Bellator. Nobody was talking about him before. Nobody was talking about him when he beat France and gra- pounded him out last year. Nobody was talking about him. Uh, against Vladimir Filipovic, tapping him out in under a minute with a guillotine just a few months ago. He lost he lost that majority decision to him even. I think that took a little bit of the luster off of him because he had been on such a run in M1 over the last four or five years that that I think that 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 in me fight took a, a little bit of shine away from him, but it shouldn't have. It was a very close fight. And Amiv is now in the UFC, and he's doing very well. He's won three in a row. So I don't think people sh- – I know that some people did. They were like, ah, hype train derailed. And I'm like, no, that's a couple of really good hype trains that are still good to go. So took off with a, a very one-sided win as well. You want to talk about one-sided wins, let's talk about Czech Congo. And let's talk about how he has transformed his career unbelievably. He left the UFC in 2013, and I was like, is that a good idea? I don't know. He was 38 years old, and it's like, how many more does he have in him? Well, as it turns out, he's got a lot more in him. He was getting knocked out and tapped out pretty regularly towards the end of his run in UFC. It seemed like every year, but it wasn't. It was Mark Hunt and Roy Nelson. He's not been finished at all in Bellator. He is 11-2, and two, including a seven-fight win streak, which includes UFC veteran Timothy Johnson. and It includes Javi Ayala. Augusto Sakai was pretty good. UFC veterans in uh, Tony Johnson and Ole Thompson. And you got Alexander Volkov, who is headlining UFC shows now. He caught Tim Johnson coming inside with a straight punch, and I think Johnson was done there. I think Johnson was cooked there. It is a charade that Chet Congo was not in this heavyweight tournament. He's got the name. Maybe maybe they think he's not the most exciting fighter. And maybe he took that to heart. Because he had a year layoff between the Sakai fight at 179 and the Ayala fight earlier this year at 199. And by then, the, the tournament was, was rocking. And he's finished both guys, and he's finished them both in short order. He's like, you know what? I'm winning these five-round fights, or these three-round fights, but let, let, let's just end that. Let's get the hell out of there for that. He went to the distance with Minikov, and I'm pretty sure what was Minikov's last Bellator title defense. Went five rounds with him. He ain't going five rounds anymore. 43 years old, and he is on a seven-fight winning streak. 
So if he fights at the pace that he is now, even if he drops three in a row, he'll fight till he's 44, 45, I would imagine. Why not? You're gonna if you're gonna sit around and still make these six figures to fight and you're beating people in a minute. Timothy Johnson, I think, was cooked after that straight. He crumpled. And I think that Congo even thought that maybe Johnson was shooting. Rolled him over, pounded him out. That's a wrap, man. If somebody, if I was going to say if somebody falls out of the tournament, well, who's going to fall out of the tournament? It's Fedor and it's it's Bader. Outstanding performance by Chet Congo. He has a lot to be proud of in this fight. As does Benson Henderson. Let's talk some sugar about Benson Henderson. Outside of the fouls, I mean, the guy, I think, threw a 10 to, or 12 to 6 elbow. He held onto the cage. He held onto the gloves. So this was, considering the level of competition that Syed Awad was, and considering how one-sided the win was, I would argue that this was his best victory, Ben Henderson's best victory since maybe Brandon Thatch, although Brandon Thatch isn't quite what everybody thought he would be. They th- a lot of people thought Brandon Thatch, myself included, would be the second coming. Brandon Thatch wasn't the second coming. He won a couple UFC fights, and then Ben Henderson changed his life. Brandon Thatch was never the same after Ben Henderson got a hold of him. So maybe besides that, definitely since Havilov, he looked great. He was stuffing everything that Syed Awad threw at him. Uh, he didn't get hurt by anything. He controlled uh, the fight on the ground, had had back control in briefly. But there were some instances where he had a hold of Syed Awad's gloves, and Syed Awad tried to complain to the ref, and it almost cost him the fight. Fast forward to the third round. This comes after a questionable elbow as well, which wasn't even, the the concern wasn't even raised. But Ben Ben Henderson is caught holding onto the cage. The referee takes the position away from him. Ben Henderson goes, what? What? What do you mean I no-showed my interview with Sean Ross Sapp last week? I'm a little sad about that. I was going to ask him about some wrestling stuff. But... He he played. He's like, what? We saw your hands in the cage, bro. We saw it. I think at that point, after you've already warned about a foul, you got to take a point away. Not that it mattered. It didn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered. I mean, 30-26, It just would have been 29-27, 29-26s. But... Ben Henderson looked real good. And, you know, Ben Henderson's not going to... I mean, he'll finish Roger Huerta and Patricio Pitbull will break his leg off on him and stuff, but he's not the the type of guy that you look for to go out and just destroy somebody. It happens here and there. He submitted Hobby Love. It took him, like, the fourth round to do so, but... He's not the kind of guy that you that you look at. I'll put it like this. He's not the kind of guy that you really look at to tap out high tap out or knock out high level talent in three rounds like he had today. But Ben Henderson had to win this fight to stay relevant near the top of that division in Bellator. 
and and really to stay relevant near the top of a couple of divisions because let's be honest say somebody falls out of a welterweight championship fight you slide ben henderson in there he's a suitable name at least from a name value perspective that holds some weight today and as i mentioned about roy nelson earlier ben henderson was a guy who who was in danger of being that guy who was just on the card as a familiar name. Not now. He, You could argue, outside of Michael Chandler, Ben Henderson, Pitbull, they, they are the top names. You know, they, they got to be happy they're finally getting that Michael Chandler fight going against Britt Premis because that fight's just got to happen, but... I, I had Syed Awad pegged as, I think, maybe fifth best Bellator lightweight because I can't – how can I include premise he doesn't fight? Ben Anderson just dominated him. Fedor Emelianenko defeated Chael Sonnen. So Bellator heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinals, this to determine Ryan Bader's opponent. Had somebody say, Chael gave up. He threw that fight. Chael Fedor fight was fixed. Do I think that Chael Sonnen won it out of this fight? Yes, I do. Do I think he threw the fight? Do I think the fight was fixed? No, I think those are completely asinine statements. Either way, Fedor Emelianenko defeated Chael Sonnen via TKO strikes round one. Uh, guys, if Chael Sonnen were to throw a fight or the fight was fixed, Chael ain't getting up after that first knockdown from a Fedor left, which lands about three seconds in. Now, I got to say, one thing that I had to take into consideration, Chael landing takedown, Chael can land takedowns on somebody of almost any size. He can. And initially, I was a little impressed that Chael got swept so easily and put on his back. I thought about it, and I'm like, well, hold on. Chael's 227 pounds. Fedor was only 236, but he is a hefty 236. He's 236. That was that that's that's a pretty good uh it's a pretty good size difference. Somebody says when when he had his back and then he slid off and somersault the WTF. They weren't even sweaty yet. Chael's a good actor. Uh yeah, that was three and a half minutes in the fight. They were definitely sweaty by then. Chael was going to, to try to roll through and land in a rear naked choke position. Didn't work out. Chael ended up landing a pretty nice low single leg takedown and another takedown, a power double, I believe it was, and was getting pieced up on the feet and hurt on the feet. However, when Chael did roll through and try to uh, lock in that rear naked choke, it was no dice. Made it back up to his feet, but he was he was dragged back down and Fedor pounded him out for the, the win. Now, again, before these completely asinine statements take over, he had a single leg, then just flopped over. If he, if this fight were fixed, fixed, Sonnen would have stayed down in the first punch. Uh, people want out of fights all the time. That's why they tap out. That's why they submit. So Chael Sonnen got pounded out. He probably didn't want to get hit by Fedor Emelianenko anymore. That's not exactly a fun thing to do. Now, the thing is, this fight was a blast to watch. Did it make any sense? No. 
It was one of the greatest heavyweights of all time against one of the 10 best middleweights of all time. Somebody has the balls to say, from the looks of tonight, many regular Joes have beat Chael's ass. I'm impressed with the things that people will say. Chael Sonnen landed a low single leg takedown on Fedor Emelianenko. I don't think you know how hard that is to do, but it's real hard. You don't see Fedor getting dragged down with a whole lot of low singles with your shoulder posted below the knee, your hand behind the heel. That doesn't happen a lot. Don't be ridiculous. Chael went right into promoter mode after the fight, though. He's like, man, Bader and Fedor is going to be a good fight. And it will be a good fight. I'm excited for it. I don't know if it'll be a good fight, but I'm excited for it. Because Fedor has shown he's still got a little bit in the tank. However, whatever Chael Sonnen has in the wrestling department, Ryan Bader's going to bring that and then some. Ryan Bader's bigger. He's younger. He's faster. He's stronger. And Fedor is not as strong. He's got he's got some good hands. But what Fedor is facing in Ryan Bader is one of his biggest challenges in years. I mean, you could argue at this point that the Ryan Bader that Fedor is facing now is one of his biggest challenges ever considering the the skill discrepancy, the age discrepancy. As I look at the people that that he's fought, I think Ryan Bader is a bigger challenge than Brett Rogers was, than Tim Sylvia was. Good God, this is the biggest, this could be the biggest challenge that Fedor has faced since maybe Mark Coleman or Krokop. <laughs> Same person says, not trolling. Fedor isn't exactly prime Fedor and far from mobile. I don't know what you think Chael Sonnen is at this stage. But Chael Sonnen is a middleweight who talked a lot, got some light heavyweight fights, signed a big deal, didn't fight for years, came back, is 41 years old, and is competing at heavyweight. So saying that Fedor isn't exactly prime Fedor, well, yeah, obviously. What Even prime Chael Sonnen, what was prime Chael Sonnen? Prime Chael Sonnen, all due respect to him, because I think he's one of the best an- analysts in the world. And man, I would there's few people I'd rather listen to talk about MMA than, than Chael Sonnen. But Chael Sonnen at his peak knocked out Paulo Filo, legitimately impressive. Paulo Filo possibly hallucinating in the cage. Who knows what was going on there? But Chael Sonnen was a great matchup for some really good fighters like Anderson Silva and Michael Bisping. We're talking about. Chael Sonnen in 2018 against Fedor Emelianenko. Did you expect this fight to go different? (laughs) Did you expect a fight between a 42-year-old, freshly 42, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, competing at heavyweight, facing a 41-year-old top 10 middleweight of all time? If you thought that there was like some sort of any any semblance of similarities in in that matchup, I, I you were kidding yourself. 
Chael Sonnen beat a really, really big, slow Rampage. Chael Sonnen can beat a light heavyweight or two. Rampage is, as much as he wanted to be a heavyweight, he's not a heavyweight. Bader versus Fedor, that's going to be good stuff. Very excited to watch that fight. Overall, I, I thought that tonight's show, the Bellator 208 card, was a damn good show. Bellator 207, nah. But Bellator is starting to get the hang of it. I, I'm going to give them a lot of credit because I've said it for a long time that with the, the talent pool that Bellator has, there's no reason for them to be he- headlining shows with James Gallagher. I don't give a shit where you are. In Ireland, I don't care. They're going over to Spain. They're headlining with Alessio Sakara. Man, no disrespect to him. Shouldn't headline a show. But up next, they have Bellator 209, and it's it's a good month away. But they get their bearings underneath them. They got a women's fight. Sydney Dandois is fighting on there. Uh, you have Nimkov and Davis. That's a good light heavyweight fight. And you have Patricio Pitbull against Emmanuel Sanchez for the title. You know, they love that. They announced Bellator 210. We'll see what they add to that because before that they had added some some decent shows, but they got Man Hoof and Chidi Njikwani. That should not be headlining a show. But later this year, in Hawaii, Primus and Chandler, Frank Mir and Javi Ayala, decent fight. The t- 213 show, you got King Mo and Liam McGeary. Love that fight. Neiman Gracie and Ed Ruth. Love that fight. It's a tournament fight as well. Machida and Carvalho, like that fight. Could be boring, but I like it. Headlined by Ellie Malay McFarlane and Rafael Letourneau. What they're doing is they're putting some prospects on the show. They're putting some familiar names on the show. They're putting a legend on the show, high-level fighters, and then a couple of women who need that shine. I like it. They need to treat all their cards like that. I don't care if they're in Italy. Don't care if they're in Italy. Don't care if you're in Thackerville, Oklahoma. Chidi Njikawani lost. Not in his last fight, but his fight before that. He's, he's not a title. He's not, he didn't fight for a title. Is this one for a title? Detention shot? Is this for a title shot? I don't think so. Melvin Manhoof's lost two fights in a row. He's won one of his last five. Why is he headlining a show? I don't get it. Tune in Tuesdays, 2 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Showdown Joe, James Lynch. We bring you a great preview show, review show. James Lynch talking about the people that he talks to. Showdown Joe sharing his years of expertise in MMA. He is a certified MMA judge and referee. We get that aspect from him. Most importantly, visit FightfulMMA.com. Follow us at FightfulMMA on Twitter. Let people know about us. It really, really helps. And uh, I want your comments. I want your thoughts on this show. Fedor and Bader. Hit me up. I am at Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for joining me at midnight on a Saturday slash Sunday. This was a funny show or fun show. It could be a funny show as well. Till next time, we are out. <laughs>